Welcome to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. I'm Gail Stewart with my co-host, Raul Sandlin. Hey, Gail. I'm here to riff on protagonists today. Oh, boy. Here we go. You're right. We are going to riff on protagonists today hard. But before we get into the show, a few news items we want to pass along to our listeners. First, a San Diego screenwriting team has won the San Diego Movie Awards Best First Film Makers. It was for The Missed Flight. It is a 10-minute short, and next week we'll have an interview with A.B. Leftcourt, one of the co-writers. It is a great story, people, and it's homegrown. You know something about the Movie Awards, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a great organization, uh, and it's run by Terry Ross. She's a local filmmaker, film community organizer. So I really believe in the San Diego Movie Awards. And in fact, I think we're trying to get an interview with Terry Ross for the not-too-distant future. That's right, we are. So we'll talk more about the SDMAs hopefully soon. Right. Everybody needs to know about that if you're a screenwriter in San Diego, for sure. But I just wanted to mention at the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures in Los Angeles, a great new exhibit is underway. It's called The Regeneration Black Cinema, 1898 to 1971. It is an amazing new look at the classics with a fresh point of view. But today we have Hollywood veteran screenwriter Scott Myers, whose latest book, The Journey of the Protagonist, an introduction to character-driven screenwriting and storytelling, is number one on Amazon. Scott got into the business back in 1987. I sold a spec script for quite a bit of notoriety called Canine that was made into a movie with James Belushi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, James Belushi and... uh, um, and that had two sequels to that as well. Um, so uh, subsequent to that, then I just you know lived in L.A. for many, many years and worked out there in the film and TV business. And yeah. Now, Scott says for him, it's all about the protagonist. For me, it's all about a mantra I came up with years ago. Begin with character, end with character, find the story in between. And a lot of the books that are out there tend to focus on story structure as plot. And so there's all these things that saying this needs to happen on that page and whatnot. Yes, uh, story structures and uh, plot is important to story structure, but how you get there is critical. And the way to do that, in my view, is through the characters. It's their story. They know it better than we do. Immerse yourselves in their lives. Learn everything about them. And the story organically, uh, hopefully, evolves from there. So um, that's why I wrote the book. And we'll have more from Scott coming up. You are listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. Stay tuned. We've got a great show for you. We at the San Diego Screenwriter Studio are all about trying to break into Hollywood. It's so overwhelming for someone to come in at the ground floor. And I think this book will help a lot of people come in at the ground floor. So let's kind of take me through some of the major points about these character and how important it is for the protagonist, this journey that they take. I, I approach it like this. Every single one of us has heard, read, or seen tens of thousands of stories in our lives. And as a result, whether conscious or subconscious, we, we know, we know story intuitively. We, you know, we have certain 
uh, expectations and understandings and associations with story. So my approach is not so much to try and lay something on the writers, but to engender what they already know inside. They mm. already know beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. They already know that most stories have a forward-moving uh, character toward a goal, which mm-hmm. is we would call the protagonist. They already know that in order to have conflict, you need some sort of oppositional dynamic, you know, whether it's a specific nemesis character or just a circumstances or a rotating group of characters that's opposing the protagonist. They already know that there are characters who are associated with the protagonist's emotional development, often romance characters. I call that the attractor. They already know that there are characters who are involved with the protagonist's wisdom journey and, and, uh, and gaining insight into themselves as well as the world around them. Those are mentor figures. And then they also know that there are typically rather comic, comical characters, characters who often uh, provide humor, that they're tricky, they're tricksters, they, they shapeshift, they, they, they're sometimes they're allies of the protagonist and sometimes they're not. I mean, if you talk to a child, four or five years old, and you ask them, like, what kind of characters are in a story, they'll probably articulate something like that. So my, my, my approach with the book was to acknowledge that we, as human beings, because we are storytellers and story listeners, that we have an intuitive understanding of it. And this just builds on that. And so, you know, I talk about Aristotle. I talk about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. I talk about Carl Jung, who created analytical psychology. You wouldn't think that he's necessarily someone who would be relevant to discussing screenwriting and storytelling. But in my view, if there is a screenwriting guru, it's Carl Jung, because his whole theory of individuation is the protagonist's story. You're listening to Scott Myers on the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. Veteran Hollywood screenwriter Scott Myers, host of the GoingIntoTheStory.com script writing website, and now number one best-selling author. His first book, The Journey of the Protagonist, an introduction to character-driven screenwriting and storytelling. It's found on Amazon, and you're going to hear more from Scott Myers coming up. But we want to let you know that he talks about Carl Jung and Jung's concept of individuation. When a person moves towards wholeness, it's a deep and super interesting perspective on the protagonist. Coming up, stay tuned. My co-host Raul Sandlin is going to give us his thoughts on what makes a great protagonist, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Can you give us a hint? Uh, I'm going to riff on a few things. I'm not going to, after listening to Scott... (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to try to top him in any way because I can't. So I'm I'm scribbling my notes here and trying to come up with something else, as they say in showbiz. <laughs> All right. We will be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio on KNSJ 89.1 FM, San Diego's only social justice network. We're back, the San Diego Screenwriters Studio. I'm Gail Stewart with co-host Raul Sandlin. We are talking protagonists today, right, Raul? Yeah, yeah. And I've talked about protagonists and heroes and characters in the past, and Scott did a great job of 
doing everything I'd tried to do in the past and failed to do. <laughs> so it's a real honor to be on the same show as Scott Myers. And now I'm looking forward to reading this book. A um, couple things that he said really caught my attention. Um, you're going to talk more about Carl Jung, uh, but he also mentioned Joseph Campbell right. and the hero's journey. Right. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention, um, maybe he mentions this in his book, uh, but if you look at the word journey, uh, J-O-U-R-N-E-Y, embedded in the word is the French word jour for mm -hmm. day. You know, we've all mm -hmm. said bonjour or heard that bonjour. somewhere. So if you think about it, a journey is very similar to a person's day. So the hero's journey is really just a person's struggles throughout their day on steroids. What do they need and how do they and what do they do to go about to get it? So those are the two things, the want and the need, internal and external. And if I might add to that, um, the want is sort of what the protagonist wants right now. Uh, the need is sort of the baggage, the backstory, the context. The internal That struggle. keeps haunting, you know, the haunting the protagonist. The, right. The pro protagonist might slay the dragon, you know, in the here and now, but still has to answer something, you know, from childhood. Or Right. That's right. And then also pursuing the want, pursuing that external desire deepens the internal need. That's, you know, that's which is really kind of a cool way to look at that journey of the protagonist. One of the things I also wanted to talk about was some other types of protagonists. You know, there might be a main protagonist who's struggling against one antagonist or one protagonist who's struggling against a group, you know, R R Rambo fighting the whole, you know, Viet Cong <laughs> army kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then there... Um, uh, our buddy films, where you have sort of two equal characters who, you know, confront uh, their obstacles side by side, mm -hmm. you know, a Laurel and Hardy kind of thing. Uh, then you have the hero and sidekick, where one of the, you have the protagonist and then the protagonist has a wingman, let's just say, you know, sort of a helper, you know, Lone Batman Ranger. Batman and Robin. Yeah, Lone Ranger and Tonto, mm -hmm. which is a racist term, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but that's the term they gave him back in whenever the 1940s. But another one that's very interesting, and Scott talked about this, was the idea of the protagonist and teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think he used the term mentor, mm -hmm. mentor antagonist. Mm -hmm. And this is an interesting thing. We've seen it in things like The Karate Kid, a lot of times where there will be a teacher, or a mentor figure mm -hmm. who takes the immature untrained, undereducated, underprepared hero or protagonist and helps elevate the protagonist so that the pr protagonist is then ready to go out and solve the problems at hand. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point because I'm watching The Offer, which is the making of The Godfather. It's on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, my God. It is the, it's a limited series, 10 episodes. It is so good. It stars Miles uh, Teller. Um, just amazing. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, and But the fact is, is that... Uh, Robert Evans, the executive producer at Paramount at the time when they were trying to make The Godfather, he basically took Al Ruddy, 
who is who Miles plays. He took Al Ruddy under his wing and gave him his first job at Paramount and Oak gave him the green light on trying to produce The Godfather. Little did either one of them know what it would be, what it would take to do that. Incredible story. But you have the mentor there that you really kind of like, Robert Evans, in this, in the offer. He, it's just amazing, the actor that played him. Really great job. A uh, quick question, because often the mentor antagonist, at least in a feature film, which is, you know, 90 minutes to two hours, this can change if you have a series where the characters have to live longer, to mm-hmm. be uh, brutally honest. But often in uh, a film, a mentor antagonist will die. Oh, in, no, um, no, no, okay. no, 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 okay. uh, no. You're saying mentor antagonist. Yes. Oh, that's interesting, because I was saying, I was thinking mentor or protagonist, oh. right? Because we like Robert Evans in okay. the offer. Yeah. The, the weird thing with this mentor antagonist is that we often like them. It's not a villain. It's just somebody who helps prepare the protagonist for the journey ahead. Well, the, yeah. Okay. Him and, and, and the one of the mafia bosses, <laughs> Joe Colombo, really actually helped uh, uh, Al Ruddy in the offer. Both of them, you know, from different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. One to navigate the mafioso and Robert Evans to navigate just, you know, making to get a movie made. Right? Yeah, yeah. The the production yeah. aspects. Oh, yes, amazing. Yes. Amazing. So this is really about the, the series is about the behind the scenes making of The Godfather and yeah. Yeah, it's, it. it's based on Al Ruddy's own yeah. personal experience of trying to produce The Godfather. Mm-hmm. So that was the hero's journey, the struggles and obstacles it takes to make a fe- major feature film. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So any more on the protagonist? Uh, yeah. And then also, if you're really running out of ideas, you can always uh, create a group situation mm. where you have a team or a squad or, you know, a small family stuck in a car together driving across country. Mm-hmm. So you don't if you're trying to develop, you know, your protagonist, it's not always just one protagonist against a villain or against a world. Often the protagonist will come in groups or in pairs or with a sidekick wingman or with a some kind of mentor some kind of family Mm -hmm. you know and friends or entourage so the protagonist doesn't have to evolve and develop you know as a singular individual oftentimes there's a little group involved yeah, it is. It's an amazing concept, this protagonist, and how to build them and how to make them great. And I think you've hit on some really good points. Later, you'll hear Scott Myers talk about Carl Jung's concept of individuation when a person moves toward wholeness on KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network, 89.1. Stay tuned. Gail Stewart here joining us in the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. Our special guest, veteran Hollywood screenwriter and now best-selling author, Scott Myers. Favorite movie, favorite director, and his favorite protagonist, the one with the perfect character arc. Well, okay, so my favorite movie is The Apartment. Billy Wilder is my favorite director. Mm-hmm. Uh, C.C. Baxter uh, if you remember the movie in 1960, it was a, quite a controversial film at the time because it was talking about sexual politics in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 1960. But Baxter is trying to move his way up the corporate ladder. What does he want? His conscious goal is to achieve success in the corporate world. And because he's, he's stuck in a desk like a lemming, like all these other people, they don't even have a, 
you know, any, any, uh, barriers between them. It's like, there's all these people in this one big area. Well, he's gotten stuck in a situation where he's giving the key to his apartment, to these upper level management types who promise that if they let them use his apartment for their trysts, their, right. know, uh, their affairs, yes. that they will give a good recommendation to him so <laughs> that he can then move up the corporate ladder. Quid right? pro quo, Chris, so, right? <laughs> Good pro quo, exactly. Oh, buddy boy, give me that key. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a recommendation. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> so that's his, that's his setup at the beginning. Well, you can see that he has some disunity elements going on. He's fundamentally a decent guy, but he's caught up in this very tawdry situation. His apartment is <laughs> that's another sign of his disunity because he sometimes can't even get into his apartment because these guys are using it to party <laughs> right. down with these girls. Right. His own apartment, he can't even stay in his his own own apartment. apartment. (laughs) Can't even get into his own apartment. The next door neighbors, Dr. Dreyfus and his wife, think all the partying that's been going on has been Baxter. Right, of course. (laughs) Dr. Dreyfus says, when you die, you know, could you donate your body to the science? We've got to study how you could potty like this all the time. And And there's this. He has romantic... A, a romantic inclination toward an elevator operator played by Shirley MacLaine mm-hmm. called Fran Kubelik. And, but he can't screw up the courage to ask her out on a date. His boss, Sheldrake, finds out about, this is Frederick Murray, finds out about the key. And as it turns out, he wants the key because he's having an affair with, oops, Fran Kubelik. Oh, yeah. So this is a problem, yeah, right? Yeah. This is a problem. So now that that conflict, that tension, Act Two is all about what's he going to do because he is moving up the corporate ladder because uh, he's Sheldrake is the boss, the head of the corporation, and he's giving the key to Sheldrake. That means that he is having his his conscious goal is being achieved. In fact, he even moves up to the office next door to Sheldrake by the end of the movie. But he's discovering an inner truth, and this is Carl Jung again. Carl Jung says, "When an inner," this is a direct quote. When an inner situation, like a conflict or tension, he's talking about us as people, is not made conscious. That is, if we don't, if we don't engage the, the totality of our psychological selves, if we're ignoring some things, this is the end of the quote. The universe creates circumstances which compel us to. Fate intervenes. Now, I don't know if that's true in real life, but that's the protagonist story. The inciting incident, you know, we talk about the, the beginning and middle point of Act One. That's not random. That's the universe saying, protagonist, you are living an inauthentic life. We're going to step in and create a problem here, which is going to force you to go on this journey to discover your authentic nature. Everything that happened to him was to force him to make a choice between his want and his need. And he chose his need. And in the very end, there's Shirley McLean (laughs) to his apartment. And they're sharing champagne and playing gin rummy. And it ends with the greatest last line of dialogue in a movie in my view she says shut up and deal which is just such a great movie the apartment now but that's a perfect example you could go through movie after movie and tv show after tv show and where this character starts off the protagonist starts off they need to change they're just making do those are direct quotes from joseph campbell and the hero's journey they're in my language system they're in a state of disunity and they need to move toward a state of unity so long-winded explanation. No, no, it's very interesting. And I'll tell you why, because my experience in life, if I don't address certain things, it's like trying to wrap something up 
your well-being up in a little box and put a bow around it. If you're not dealing with what's necessary and what you know you need to deal with, it oozes out. The, the universe comes for you no matter what. That's my personal experience in life. So with that, I mean, I have that as far as like a branding for my writing is that, you know, you have to deal with the inner demons and your own stuff before you can really kind of attract the kind of things that you would want in your life. Again, you're speaking very much like how Carl Jung viewed the world. Uh, He says the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you are. It's already there. Like Ovid, the, uh, the 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 Greek writer, in his book *Metamorphoses*, the seeds of change lie within; they're already there. The need—that's that's the language system in screenwriting. You know, what do they what do they need? That's the need is the seed. It's inside. It's planted. It's just being ignored. It's like hidden in the darkness. There's no sunlight that can get in. No rain that can get in. And that's why they need to be deconstructed in the first half of Act 2, typically. <laughs> their old ways of being get deconstructed, which is essentially breaking up the soil and allowing that stuff to get down to the seed and germinate. And now it blossoms out into the, into the light of consciousness. It becomes the empowering element for the character to go through a positive transformation. They, they become who they are. That our state is already there. You remember in The Wizard of Oz where Glinda the Good Witch... At the very, very end, she says to Dorothy, Dorothy, you've always had the power to go back to Kansas. It's always been there. Right. She felt a sense of disconnect from all those adults. She's an orphan, by the way. We didn't right. forget that. Yeah. She's an orphan. She's got an uncle and an aunt. She got these, she's the only child in Kansas. Uh, she Even Toto doesn't fit down there because he keeps digging into Miss Gulch's yard. <laughs> Glenda the Goodwitch says, Dorothy, you've always had the power to go home. And, and uh, uh, Scarecrow says, why did she have to go through this journey? And she says, because she needed to learn it for herself. That's the protagonist's journey. They have to go through the journey they take in order to become the person they need to be, to move from inauthentic to authentic. And what you're saying about your life, and I think, again, this is what Carl Jung's whole point, is that if we don't get in touch with all aspects of our psyche, which is the totality of who we are, including what he calls the shadow, which are you know negative impulses. It's a complex concept, but I mean simply, you know, sort of simplifying it. Our negative impulses, taboos, those sort of darker instincts and, uh, that we have. If we don't at least try to understand those things and understand why we we are pulled toward that, that it's going to envelop us. So you can see there are stories that do that. For example, uh, in a taxi driver, the the protagonist has that that whole sort of shadow dynamic that takes him over. Jack Torrance in The Shining, same thing. The shadow dynamic takes him over. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell, you can't tell stories where there's a negative, you know, a negative arc. Um, but primarily, people want to believe that we can change for the better, which is one of the reasons why I think the unity arc is so popular. Right. Yes, of course. So I want to shift gears here. And for the struggling screenwriters that listen to our podcast, breaking into Hollywood seems overwhelming. It seems overwhelming for me. I just was like, oh, my God, this is really, really hard work. I mean, how do you even begin to get get it together to do it? Well, it is hard work. And you sh- nobody should overlook the fact that it's extremely competitive. I mean, if, you, if what you're trying to do 
is become a writer in Hollywood, it's extremely competitive. So you know, that just that you just have to accept that right up front. Uh, there's a great quote from um, my favorite band is a band called The Band. Yeah. And the dr- the drummer Levon Helm had a great quote that I read 40 years ago. I used to play music for a living. 40 years ago, he said, "Music don't owe anybody a living." And I said, "That you know what? That's exactly right. Anybody who pursues the creative arts, whatever it is, you're not owed a living." So, in order to screw your head on tight the right way, you need to do it because you love it. Period. End of subject. That's the main bottom line thing. Uh, you, you may never achieve any financial success, but this goes back to some of the stuff we were talking about. If you have that inner need to write, if you feel like Joseph Campbell says, follow your bliss, what is the thing that energizes you, that brings you joy, that you have a talent for, that you can share with the world? If your bliss is writing, then by pursuing that, even if you never make a dime, you are putting yourself on the path toward an authentic existence. You are aligning yourself with something that's truly important to you, and that's giving you the opportunity to live a rich and fulfilling life on an emotional and psychological and spiritual level. Now, in terms of actually trying to break into the business, I think you've got to have a rather spiritual attitude about that, too. My first agent was Dan Halstead. Dan is now a very, very successful manager. He has a company called Management. Uh, some of his clients, like uh, Taika Waititi, is one of his clients. And Dan says, this is a direct quote, if you write a great script, we will find you. And I think we as writers have to believe that. I Even believe it. With the I believe that. I, I think you have to. Otherwise, you know, if you want to just write uh, for the sheer enjoyment of it, um, I would suggest write novels because at least then you can self-publish. You know, screenplays are pre-movies. It's not like there's a real you know, desire for people to read screenplays. People in the business, such as myself, I read screenplays all the time. You know, I enjoy it, but I don't think it's like a mass publication media thing, you know, where people are going to be, you know, buying your original screenplay. So, but that's why you have to find this, this balance point. This is weird dichotomy. I was just writing about this earlier today, where on the one hand, we face the fact that music, movies, TV, don't, don't owe anybody a living. So you know going in, the odds are astronomically against you. And yet at the same time, if it's something that's important to you, that you feel that it is your bliss, then you follow it because that's it. You got to. You have to. You have to. So you live with that dichotomy, which is you're writing and you're enjoying it. You may never make a dime from it, or you may. Now, the reality is, Gail, that it is actually easier nowadays to find avenues into people who can say yes than ever before. It used to be back in the day, you know, when I first broke in, 1987, back then you either had to be the son or daughter of a movie mogul, you had to have gone to USC or UCLA or AFI or NYU, some major film school, or if you were lucky and written good good script, you knew somebody who was second cousins with somebody, who used to date somebody, who was sleeping with somebody (laughs) in Hollywood, (laughs) and you gave them the material. But you had to know someone. I knew one person. That's it. You know, I knew one person, and that just so happened to be 
person who became my writing partner, and we managed to break in that way. You've heard from Scott Myers, veteran Hollywood screenwriter and now best-selling author on Amazon with his new book, The Journey of the Protagonist, an introduction to character-driven screenwriting and storytelling. You're listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. I'm Gail Stewart. And from film to theater, co-host Raul Sandlin, you've got some gossip to tell. I do. <laughs> well, you know, Gail, we're here. One of the purposes of the San Diego Screenwriter Studio is to to help San Diego screenwriters. So I do want to give a little plug for one of those local starving screenwriters, Cameron Crowe, if you've oh, ever heard of Oh, yeah, him. he's starving, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's finally going to get his uh, play, Almost Famous the Musical, to oh, Broadway. And it, you have a little connection to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm one of the biographers for Lester Bangs, who is a local San Diego journalist, music writer, famous for writing for Cream Magazine. And he was one of the characters Characters in Almost Famous, played by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, that's so exciting. I'll be back in New York. I'm going back in October, right? right? right. So hopefully it'll be uh, on stage. Coming up next week, A.B. Lefcourt, co-winner of the San Diego Movie Awards with The Missed Flight. And oh my God, what a phenomenal story. And from all of us, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> we'll see you next week, people. 